0: Oh, <laughs> I'm the lead. You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 173, Side B. <laughs> Along this same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. My name is Elvin Nier, and I am joined by Blast Hard Cheese, or you can call me Amazing Larry, and Grizzle McHardbody.
1: Well done, sir, and hello, everyone.
2: Good opening.
0: This, you like it?
2: I did. I do like your opening, Rob.
0: This is a side B episode. It was
2: a, it was a tight opening. <laughs> it was an inviting oh, opening. Very well. I'm concerned. sure all of the listeners want to get a little, want to go Wait, deeper into your opening. ruining
0: my opening, Greg.
2: Sorry. <laughs> this
0: is a, a side B episode. And if you haven't guessed it by now, we're going to talk about the 1985 gem Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And of course, we'll answer our Give Me Five question of the week.
1: This is a side B where we review a movie and there will probably be spoilers. We'll try to avoid any major twists, but they will be for a movie that came out over two decades ago yeah so uh if you haven't seen it then i suggest you check it out and come back later and see what we think about it
0: you should definitely check it out so this movie was released on august 9th of 1985 was directed by tim burton which, coincidentally, this movie was Tim Burton's feature film debut. Wow. Pretty interesting. I mean, I had no idea it was Tim Burton. And they had actually got Danny Elfman to do the score. And I believe this was also Danny Elfman's first time doing a score as well. He did not want to do it,
2: I read. that He was a little yeah. worried about working with Tim Burton because it was both of their first times.
1: Yep. That sounds very Danny Elfman.
0: But it stars Paul Rubens, E.G. Daly, Mark Holton, and a bunch of other people. I mean, those three are really the main three. And the synopsis is, when an eccentric man-child, Pee-wee Herman, gets his beloved bike stolen in broad daylight, he sets out across the U.S. on the adventure of his life.
1: How does he make his money? I was just going to say that.
0: There, There have been some theories... Um, there have been some theories that he actually makes his money selling components and ideas for Rube Goldberg machines. All right.
1: Sure. Lots of yeah, money. I, I
2: mean he could have just like inherited it. You never see his parents.
0: Yep, but he's got a house. He has in uh, California. A very he, nice house. Yep. He's also somewhat of an inventor. I mean, he, I was... he, he seems very, very mechanically inclined, at least, in, in the stuff that he has and the stuff that he's set up in his house. So it's entirely possible that he's an inventor.
1: Yeah. I could have sworn, starting watching this, I'm like, how does he make his movie? Oh, I think he's an inventor. But they never specifically come out. Right.
0: They, they never talk about it. And... And there were a couple of things in this movie that I forgot, like I did, did I was watching this with my friend Jimmy, I and we got a lot of this movie.
1: What's that? I forgot a lot
0: of this movie. I haven't seen
1: this in like thirty years.
0: Well, we got to the part where he was having breakfast, and you know he made the he made the pancake and put the eggs his eyes and the bacon as the lips, and he was talking to his breakfast, and his mm-hmm. breakfast asked for mr. T cereal, yep mm-hmm. and. Jimmy looks at me and goes, is that a thing? And I was like, Ab- it absolutely was. They absolutely had Mr. G <laughs> cereal back in the And it the was that,
2: that type of corn pop sweet cereal that would scratch the roof of your mouth.
0: Yes. Yes, it was. When you and, ate it. and I thought it was, it was absolutely good. I thought it was absolutely hilarious that he made this whole breakfast with the pancake and made the the face on it, and then the pancake asked for Mr. T cereal, and he covered the pancake in Mr. T cereal, and then ate three bites of the Mr. T cereal and was finished with breakfast. I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's a bit wasteful. There. but we got to see lots of
2: Speck, the little dog. I like Speck. Okay. Cute, Speck cute little dog. Adorable speg was adorable so let let we you jumped ahead with you, you with the uh your initial thoughts what uh what are you guys initial thoughts on this
0: i I mean honestly I seriously forgot how how good this movie actually is I mean it's not it's not off Oscar worthy or anything but if you're looking for a basic outline of how to do a movie it it's hard to go wrong here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I watched Pee Wee's Playhouse I know I saw this much later, and I thought I remember remembered it being more adult-oriented than it actually is. We'll discuss that more as we go later, but I, I did not enjoy this movie as much as I did watching it again. Granted, that was a very long time ago, but I really, really enjoyed
0: it this time. Oh, I thought you were saying you didn't enjoy it this time. No, 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 no. 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 I, yeah, I. When he I, was a
2: kid, he didn't enjoy it as much.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
1: I enjoyed it more now that I'm an adult.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Yeah, I, I told you on the phone the other night. Um My my parents had certain. They didn't have a lot of rules, but one of the rules was I wasn't allowed to watch anything with a with a adult acting like an idiot. Uh, so things like you can't do that on television. And I also wasn't allowed to watch anything where violence didn't have repercussions. So a million bullets shot and no one gets hit kind of thing. <laughs> um, but as a result of it, you know, when you're a kid, your parents, say uh, you can't watch this one thing. You kind of get in that thing where like, yeah, I, I hate that. It annoys me. And for a long time, PeeBee Herman annoyed the hell out of me. Um, to some extent, when this movie started, um, uh, the little laugh where they like kind of just wherever there's a blank space, they kind of added the sound effect of the, (laughs) like the little one. That was like, okay, am I going to be able to do this? But I started watching. I got to about probably right around the serial scene that you were just talking about early on in the movie. And I was like, you know what? I think my kid might actually like this. Yeah. Because so stopped it. And if you listen to our side episode, you'll know what I watched instead. Lots of weird reality crap um, about Britney Spears and uh, uh, threesomes, but (laughs) so I I then had my my kid watch it with me uh, last night. Not the Britney Spears thing, but Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And what's interesting, I was wondering because you know he's he's pretty astute on things for a for a recently turned eight year old, and he said two things very early on. He's like. This movie's about an adult that acts like a kid,
3: <laughs>
2: and then when he goes outside of the house and does something, oh no, no! When he's he said that when he's playing with his toys in his bedroom when he wakes up, and then at the I think the the serial part he says, "This guy's weird." Is this movie about him? <laughs> yes, it is. Turned out he liked it. I was a little worried he'd be like, "Okay, I'm out." This guy's a weirdo. So the, you know, you guys all, everyone out there all knows who Pee Wee Herman is, but there was definitely like this, this weird childlike thing and it, but it's never explained, which probably is for the better. We're used to movies explaining everything. Like, I'm really waiting for the, the dark, uh, like origin story of Pee Wee Herman, you know, where they show like Pee Wee Herman's parents are killed by like a pterodactyl or something and it causes them to freak out and make this fantasy world. That's what I'm waiting for. So. Great on. But anyway, um, it was an enjoyable watch. Uh, Once I got past the, you know, some of the the Pee Wee Herman stuff, I was like, okay. The little bits are funny, so ignore the annoying laugh.
3: (laughs) The stars at night are big and bright
2: deep in the heart of texas that part is awesome that part is genius
1: oh, oh remember what
2: anyway so let's let's go in here uh what, what do you want to what do you guys want to talk about with Pee Wee herman
0: there i will i'll start off with there were there were two scenes that were extremely memorable for me like if i before I watched this again recently, if I had to pick something that I remembered specifically from this movie, there were two scenes that I remembered from this movie. Do you uh, let, have let's any guess. Okay. Okay.
2: okay, we're going to guess. Um, well, obviously okay. the Large Marge thing.
0: Yes. The Large Marge sequence was one of them. And,
1: and I,
2: I would assume that the tequila dance number.
1: I'm going to go with the bath
0: theme scene. Uh, the fight in the bath? <laughs> no. It was, in fact, the tequila dance number. And I was amazed because I was watching it with, like I said, I was watching it with my friend Jimmy. And we got to the te- to the tequila part and I was like, oh, here it is. And he's like, what? I'm like, you've seen this before, right? He's like, yeah, but I don't remember this part. I'm like, how can you not remember this part? Like, the rest for the rest of my life, this song will be called the Pee Wee Herman song
2: yeah true and it was around long before this
0: and and like when I was growing up everybody referred to it as the Pee Wee Herman song I'm like how the hell can you not remember this scene Mm -hmm. I don't remember this scene I'm like are you shitting me are you Uh, just effing with me right now (laughs) I don't
2: remember seeing this movie recently but I knew I remembered almost everything I remembered because I was I was able to like warn, not that there's too many bad parts, obviously, but like I was able to warn Ethan about what was coming. Mm-hmm. Like I vividly remembered the pet scene, like when he rest. it's obviously the end, but remember that I remembered. I mean, it, it, this isn't the Greg remembers crap podcast, but I was surprised because I was, I was never that engaged with this movie, but okay. I seemed to be, I was like, Oh, I remember that. I remember him. Like I remember very distinctly remember the slick back hair of, uh, of, the neighbor of what's what the hell's the name um uh I've written down here Francis yeah Francis Francis Buxton like I remember him him and when he caught him I remember that kind of stuff somehow I did not remember the serial killer car trip or the stabby guy car trip who then you know Pee Wee drives his car off a cliff uh Tiger Woods style is that too soon wow he's fine he'll be okay that news story actually came up, like that he was right after that scene when they said that he had broken his legs. Mm. But we wish him well. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the bathtub attack thing. Um, I think the other weird thing about this is I've been to a lot of these places that this movie was filmed in. Obviously, not a big budget. Pee Pee-wee wee's Playhouse Playhouse had not come out yet, and these were all first time people. Doing this stuff, so they didn't have a huge budget, so they did film around a lot of places in Los Angeles that were un um, un messed with. So, like the Warner Brothers lot was very memorable, I believe. The um, area where uh, either the plants when he runs through the plants, or when he does like the Tarzan thing, we're like jumping all over the place with this movie. I believe that's <laughs> from the yeah. same area where the Batmobile used to come out where the trees would go fall away and the Batmobile would come up. Uh, okay. The warehouse he runs through is the fabrication room. Like I remember that very distinctly. So that's kind of interesting seeing that even the third street promenade, which is the shopping area where uh, the magic store is. I remember that. I was like, Oh, it's kind of cool having been to some of these places. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, what do you think just the art direction of it? Like the, his house his even the magic shop, just all of that stuff.
1: This is obviously Tim Burton before he was Tim Burton. I mean, you can see Beetlejuice in this, you can see Batman in this, you can see Edward Scissorhands in this. Yeah. You know, so seeing that you go, well, of course that's Tim Burton, but then learning that it was his first, Feature film with a major studio was just even more. It was even cooler, I guess. I Tim Burton's name came up in the directed by, and I was like, "What?"
2: And It makes the dark parts all the more. Uh, you're like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah. The, the clown sequence, the the large march sequence with Rob hinted out, which we really kind of need to talk about further.
3: Oh, absolutely. it definitely
2: brought that. A lot to the surface. The um, So sp- specifically Large margin. Man, that part scared the shit out of me as a kid. Did it really? Yes. Like, would not be in the room with it after I saw that part. Uh, Yeah, same here. Same here. Where, yeah, that story in general is the one of, the, I know we've talked about uh, Urban Legends before. That type of story where the someone picks up a hitchhiker and they disappear as they get two apart. And then it's like, oh, she died on this very night kind of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Obviously this is a,
2: a switch in it, but um that's one of those like Urban Legend things that actually kinda of freaks me out. So see you know, seeing and it freaked me out as a kid. So seeing the the scary large Marge face um was like, whoa. <laughs> and when I was watching it again, I'm like, I wonder if it's still that scary. And it was, was it that scary? A, uh, not really. Like, I mean it was not I was actually surprised at how good it looked more so than um, it, more than it actually scared me. So I would say that. Um, so there's a bike. Did you find that recent, did you find that information about like how the bike became part of the, the story of this whole thing?
4: No,
0: I didn't come across that.
2: Okay. So this movie was supposed to be a remake of Pollyanna. So Pee Wee Herman was a, was Paul Rubens. He was a comedian that was on the road doing a bunch of shows that he had basically six months or so of completely sold out dates across the country doing his Pee Wee's Playhouse type thing where it was just straight up. This is a kid show with little dark jokes here and there. Mm -hmm. You can find it on YouTube. I sent it out to you guys in our patron chat room. Uh, so anyway, and because of that, they ended up with the movie and it was like the groundlings. And so he had a bunch of his friends, uh, Phil Hartman being one of them, try to write a movie and they, they were going to just do a straight up remake of Pollyanna, which I don't know what that is. I, I, I know that it's an old movie that exists, but I don't know anything about it. While they were on the studio, he was given a vintage Schwinn bike to ride around the studio to get from sets to offices to wherever. And... He fell in love with the bike and was like, I know what the story is going to be. This bike is going to get stolen. Hmm. And he went from there. So you actually found some cool stuff about the
0: writing of this script, though. I did. I came across a couple of things. Um, Paul, Paul Rubens said that he, Phil Hartman and Michael Varhall they they'd never written a screen play, uh, blah, 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 screenplay prior to doing this film and so what they decided to do was they purchased a book that was written by Sid Field and the book was basically how to write screenplays and they followed the the script or they followed the uh the instructions basically step by step and And one of the one of the funny things is that as a result and this this was after, you know, we had talked about it in the in the chat. um, You know, Jimmy had made the comment that this was a perfect movie. And this movie is actually sometimes used in screenwriting classes because it fits the paradigm perfectly. The film is 90 minutes long. The script is 90 pages long. The first act ends at page 30 at the 30 minute mark. And the second act ends at page 60 at the 60 minute mark. So the the movie actually is used as a guideline f- for teaching new screen, new screenplay writers. Huh.
2: So that would see the first act would end when he decides to go find his bike, I'm guessing. Right? I'm I'm not
0: there? 100% sure where it actually is, but it's at the 30 minute mark.
2: Yeah. And then the second I do- act I would ass- I would assume it's he fails to find the bike and then
0: Right, I do okay. know that halfway through the movie, the midpoint of the movie is where he's actually washing dishes in the in the diner, and okay. he looks up, and in front of him there's that sign that says, "Are we having fun yet?" That is officially <laughs> the actual midpoint of the movie, and I I gotta believe that was put there on purpose. That's interesting. The, that's
2: that's cool. I've I've read that book. I have that book actually. Mm-hmm. I was gonna get it, but I forgot to grab it. Because uh, I took a, it, it is one of the Bibles of screenwriting. It's not very big. Um, that's what she said, but not to me. Yeah, she does. Uh, and it's, you know, it was, I took a screenwriting class or a creative writing class in college. And that was one of the books we had to read. And I liked it. I actually liked it so much that I kept it. Um, I bought it. I didn't steal it. But um, yeah, so like it does. It's interesting because you can tell that they did something like that because every everything that happens does get pushed along. You don't find out much about his about the character Wee, but there is a reason for a lot of the stuff to happen. You know, the bike gets stolen. He has to go on this trip. He find he goes he goes to the the fortune teller and she finds out about you know him because he has the pictures of the bike
1: in the wallet.
0: The fortune teller who also does taxes.
1: Oh yeah. yes, I made a specific <laughs> note about that.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny when I
2: saw that on the sign. He almost gets mugged in the alleyway by Tim Burton. Tarot cards, and
1: income tax, and in palms thread
2: <laughs> Nice. Sign me up. She says, "Of course, that he has. You know, it's in the the basement of the Alamo." Which you know that that everyone at the Alamo that's a tour guide now is like, "Don't ask us about the basement."
0: And Just, speaking of the tour guides the um I also found out that the the tour guide at the Alamo in the movie mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. lines were all improvised, really yeah, apparently that's she, she kind of made all of that up. that's funny.
1: who here
2: knows about tortillas
1: <laughs> uh, six hundred and forty uh, an- an- no. no. we <laughs> call them
0: and Ineas. <laughs> an- <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's,
2: I actually wrote a lot about that sequence because I loved watching his increased annoyance as the tour guide was doing the like the jungle cruise style tour, <laughs> with, like the little cheesy jokes, and yeah. And just as it was going on, you could see he was getting more and more agitated, he was kind of stuck between that old couple, and like I thought that was. Perfect subtlety amongst all the not subtle stuff. Um, still not as good as the Amazing Larry sequence, though.
3: Is this something you could share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry?
2: <laughs> I forgot. I've there are oh, this movie's very quotable. Yeah, man, like, do you guys actually know like a lot of the stuff that he says, like the, the childish stuff? Like, I know you are, but what am I? And like, I'm sure that existed before. Mm-hmm. but like there was a couple other things that i wrote down mm-hmm. that i was like there
0: i was talking about this the other day there are things that i still quote from this movie and i have been quoting for years the the um the line i'm a loner dotty a rebel i will say that periodically and i've had people look at me funny and i'm like it, it it's from a movie
3: <laughs> a lot of things
0: about me you don't know anything
3: about daddy things you wouldn't understand things you couldn't you couldn't
4: understand things, things you shouldn't, I shouldn't understand. understand
3: I don't understand
4: <laughs> I don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me I'm a
3: loner daddy a rebel
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's stuff like that but there's also like the one, oh, the other one uh, take a picture it'll last longer There's like Mm -hmm. little like sayings in this that I'm like, did they exist before this movie? Did they, were they coined by him as during his like live comedy sketches and like people picked up on it? Cause like there are certain friends that would say those things all the time Mm -hmm. and I never attributed it to this movie, but I'm, I'm assuming that some of those things they knew because of this movie. There was like three or four that I wrote down. I can't find them right now. On the-
0: but and it, there was, it was like, wow. One of the other ones that I've quoted for years, and it makes absolutely no sense, and people don't understand it when I do it, but like whenever something shocking happens or, or you know, something, you know, comes out, you know, it's like, <gasps> I I will occasionally do the, Andy. When he's starting to get bum rushed by the boyfriend. hmm
2: Oh, the other one was when, when he crashes the bike in front of all those his kids. And he's like, I meant to do that.
0: I meant to do that. <laughs> yeah,
2: just I don't know. It's it's interesting the way these these little sayings get saying I'm I'm gonna actually at some point have to look that up because I was like, Did I even first know that from here? Uh so we did the tour guide. What else? The uh there was a couple little things I wrote down that I wanted to definitely talk about the
0: Large March.
2: Yeah, we can talk about Large March. Did we oh we did that already? We did we did talk. We did talk about Large March. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah. did we go over the whole scene or
2: pretty much? Oh, yeah, no. that she goes and they go into the the bar and and uh you know, she died. 10 years he looks at the the little plaque. Mm-hmm. He's like, it was a, it was 10 years ago tonight.
0: Yeah, and it was actually it actually had the date. So Pee Pee-wee, Wee's Big Adventure actually takes some plate takes place sometime in January in 1984. Yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Pee Wee's Big Adventure takes place sometime in January in 1984. And and actually, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was that on the actual DVD commentary for this, Paul Rubens says that he told Alice Nunn, the actress who plays Large Marge, that no matter what the film made in the cinema. That her character of Large Marge would be the one that everyone remembered, and he <laughs> said he met her shortly before her death, and and told him that she was glad that Paul told her because she would have been completely shocked. Otherwise, if if people remembered her from that movie, she she would have been shocked. But Pee Wee gave she, her that up. when she
2: gives that whole speech, which is pretty long,
0: she never blinks once, not once. She she blinks as he gets into the truck when they've got like a side view of her face. There's one mm-hmm. part where she actually blinks. But as she's telling the whole story, she's looking dead into the camera or like looking dead ahead in the truck. And, they, and the camera's like right on her. And she's like, mm-hmm. go through that whole story. And not once does she blink. Just the
2: the, the biker bar, which, of course, was where the tequila thing comes in.
3: That is so. a big,
2: that's a big thing. What's it called? Satan's Helpers. Yep. So, so this this nerdy dude goes to a biker bar, and Pee Wee, obviously, and it's supposed to be a club for Satan's Helpers, as Jimmy said. And he goes in, and at as, at some point, I don't remember if he if they're gonna let him go before I forget the order now. Even though I just watched it,
3: Where is they he
2: let him. him go? Yeah, they they grab him. They grab him because he breaks because he bumps into the bikes. So he leaves. He bumps into the bikes, right? And then they they kick him out. He bumps into the motorcycles. They all fall down. Then they drag him back in and they do this thing like, I say we kill him. I say we cut him. Then we kill him. I say we
3: hang him. Then we cut him.
2: (laughs) Then we kill him. And he does this little,
3: I say we let him go. No! No!
2: Like that
0: sequence is great. And that, of course. And then, there's a big cameo there. That i had never noticed before the lady who comes up and grabs him and says i say you give him to me first you know who that is no that is the mistress of the dark or mistress of the night elvira no yes peterson the Sandra a- Peterson has a cameo in this movie as Mama from the mic- from the Biker Bar.
1: That's amazing. She is also on the wall of the Magic Shop.
0: Yes, yes, she as is as Elvira. Ah, uh,
2: I'm assuming Tim Burton had something to do with that.
0: Very possible. But she she was big in the '80s, wasn't she? I mean, when when I, did she really take off? It was like the '80s. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think on the other side of the middle of the '80s.
2: As a very strange aside, someone someone brought me an Elvira comic book that they had gotten at a thrift store. And it was like a big size comic book, and inside of it they had a bunch of clippings from when the it was from the Elvira movie. And inside of it they had a bunch of clippings they had cut out of a newspaper, whoever this person that sold it to the thrift store from of like reviews and things from the movie. And I think that Elvira has a stalker. That's
4: basically
1: That's a little weird. Sure.
2: Yeah. It's weird. But it's not me, it just happens. I just have her ex stalker's stuff in my okay. house now. Okay.
1: So
2: Nobody. In mine. case you're asking, my name is Rob. If you're, <laughs> you're Elviro stalker that you want to. I figure you have you you can handle yourself better than me. Uh as I look at all the lightsabers behind you. Um Yeah, so they, the biker the biker sequence is great. It's just the little sequences that I think are actually pretty good. You know, from from the Rube Goldberg thing, the the meeting in the basement, which is where you heard the the crazy Larry thing, where he's trying to figure, he's talking to all these people that to try to explain what happened to his bike <laughs> that got stolen.
0: That I bought two hours before my bike was stolen. Yeah. What's the significance? What's the significance? Of that? <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> no.
2: He's got like, yeah, he's got them there for like three hours, and he's doing this this whole thing, and they start whispering to themselves and create. I just love the fact that the Crazy Larry thing is so random. Just this dude with a multicolored mohawk. And it just, I don't know, makes me laugh. That, that's like, I love Crazy Larry. I want the, that's the movie Amazing I want, Larry. the Crazy Larry movie.
0: Amazing I Larry. I want that movie. So. Amazing Larry. Oh, Amazing oh, Larry,
1: yeah. I keep, keep saying Crazy Larry.
2: Yeah, sorry. Amazing Larry. My bad. It's
0: been a night.
1: Yeah, definitely Amazing Larry. How would you even know if it was an Amazing Larry movie?
2: Exactly.
0: Uh, let's see here. I, lo- I I actually really liked all the interactions between him and Francis, too. The the two the two grown-ups acting like children? Mm-hmm.
2: Francis reminded me, when I first saw the carnival season of American Horror Story, and they had the the rich dude. Um, uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, I, I wrote it down. Uh, Dandy Mott. In that, with it was like the the rich kid that like his mom would buy him everything in in American Horror Story. He seemed so familiar to me. And then it occurred to me as soon as I saw this, I'm like, "That's freaking Dandy Mott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where they got that archetype character." The over-the-top, super-dramatized, rich, snotty kid. I, my dad will buy me anything I want. And this giant-ass
0: bathtub. Interestingly enough, I read I read somewhere, I don't remember where it was, that Mark Holton, who plays Francis Buxton, was actually not the first choice hmm. to play that character. And in my opinion, I think it worked out better with with Mark Holton playing the character, the original, the original person they wanted to play the character was Corey Feldman, but he was tied up with the Goonies. So it was right Uh, around the time of the Goonies, but I think having the two man children playing opposite each other was a better fit than having Pee Wee matched up with Corey Feldman at the time, who was a child. In fact, at that time. Hmm. And I think it worked better for the movie having Mark Holton play Francis Buxton. He was in uh, Leprechaun. Didn't know that. Who? Mark Holton. Mark Holton. Yeah.
2: And the Naked Gun. For all things, that's interesting. Naked Gun might come back later. Hmm. Um. Let's see. Movie studio. Ah, the movie studio. So he eventually gets to the basement. Of the Alamo finds out that, in fact, No, he
4: doesn't get there.
2: Yeah, yeah, finds out that, in fact, there isn't one.
1: It's
4: no all place down. In and an out.
1: Alamo,
2: <laughs> everyone laughs at him. You know, he has his little moment. He uh, and he, he eventually makes his way out to California and because he sees this cast. Oh, is that is that uh, yeah, which gets him out there. So, again, that. You know, moving the plot along with various little tricks, you know, fortune teller newscast, those kind of things. Being chased, you know, to get and ending up uh, losing all of his stuff, so he has to hop on a train, that kind of thing. Um, makes up <laughs> California.
0: You crack corn, and I don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually wrote Jimmy Crackcorn on there. Uh. And he, you know, makes it up to California. They do this whole this whole studio thing with the uh, the him sneaking in. Like, there's something about the 80s movies where they, the people that wrote a lot of these movies had this, like, affinity for all the, like, 50s and 60s, like, comedians. Like, So you you see a lot of jokes with, like, and comedians and actors and vaudeville people. So, like, that's why you end up with, like, Milton Berle in something, in a movie like this. He was, you know, a much bigger star in the past. And then, like, where you'll see uh, Mel Torme or a lot of those dudes. And stuff and so he does that little thing to sneak in to the uh the studio by laughing too much at the uh Milton Brawl joke. hmm
0: And then as my child uh good, we're gonna And then he stops the guy in the red armor Yeah. with, with a strangely high voice. Do you know mm-hmm. who that was?
3: Mm
0: That was Jombie. Uh, uh... The the genie, the, the yeah, in the box um, in the box that was Jombie. Huh.
2: Who's probably I guess another
1: uh uh the um, brownlings Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, that's what I was going for. It's, I mean
0: good. I was gonna say also um somebody else who showed up again later. Do you know who, who um who Dotty is? Well I know I mean I know the actress's
2: name, but I don't know. Who did she, was, she end up becoming? She was the voice of Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh-huh. he had a habit of do, of doing that. There's like seven to ten people from uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse that became huge stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Phil Hartman, rest in peace. Everyone always says oh. that. Everyone's always like Lawrence or Phil Hartman, gone too soon. Uh those people. And there's I'm, there were more. I just don't know them right now, but. I was very pro Terry. Terry, yeah, the whiny pterodactyl. But Pee Wee,
1: <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. You should do the rest of the episode like that.
2: I should do the rest of it as, as
0: a whiny pterodactyl.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about this now. No. <laughs> this movie,
0: yeah, voice oh. of Buttercup in Powerpuff Girls. Who is it? Eg Daily, Eg Daily, Tommy Pickles, ah, Dottie. Okay. She's also the voice of Buttercup in the Powerpuff Girls.
1: You know, I've never understood the uh, fear of clowns, but I get it after watching this movie.
3: <laughs>
1: One of um, Pee Wee's rage induced hallucinations. Uh, he's just having a nightmare, but the clowns are putting his bike back together and they're just all crazy looking. They got like teeth painted on their lips. I'm like, okay, <laughs> those clowns I get. Did you? It's, I
3: think you he catch the
0: one in the beginning though, because he chained his bike to a clown, and when he came back and his bike was gone, the clown was mocking him and had like this evil face.
1: Yeah, he put the one chain loop around the clown, but he had yards and yards and yards of it wrapped around the bike itself, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But... Yeah, that that's
2: clown hallucination because he uh, he hops on a motorcycle. And he can't ride a motorcycle, so he drives off like all cool, and they're all cheering for him. And he drives through a billboard, and that's what he's knocked out and picked up by an ambulance. And that's that's where the clown hallucination comes from because he's out, knocked out, cool. Which, uh, yeah, that actually scared the crap out of my kid. I I forgot about that part. I I knew that the large marge thing was going to be a problem, so I was like, yeah, just close your eyes for one second. But I forgot about the clown thing, and when the the one normal looking clown, except for the teeth painted on his face, showed up, Ethan. Looked away and was like, Tell me when that guy's gone,
3: <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I will <laughs> uh
2: California movie studio they do this really cool, fun chase scene where he's, he gets the bike back, he's okay. riding through the studio that's
1: a that's a that was a dream of mine,
2: yeah, being able to run being through to, a studio yeah, it's
1: a run through active movie, like sets of active movies It's <laughs> all classic Uh, type movies. Yeah. Like it bingo kind of dealio. There's a, there's a version of Godzilla being directed. And that just had me, it probably got the biggest, biggest laugh out of me in the whole movie. When he uh, bikes across the set and he's running over the little tanks. Yes. (laughs) And he's doing his little, his little disembodied laugh thing. Oh man. Mm -hmm. I was in tears.
2: Is that? What are the other ones? There's a, and what? I love the fact that like everything kind of gets hooked together. So there, there's this like giant chase that looks kind of like a parade going through there. Um, and he eventually escapes using his bike's turbo booster. The bike, I like the bike had little inventions on it too. Kind of fun.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: escapes using the bike's turbo booster, and of course he's broken quite a few laws here. Even though the bike was his, so I'm pretty sure he would have gotten off, but. Then he ends up, and there's this like pet store sequence right outside of the studio. There's a pet store on fire. He kind of looks at his bike and looks at the pet store, and then runs in and starts rescuing puppies. He rescues a monkey first, and then has the puppy rescues whatever. And as he as he's doing it, he keeps on running by this this tank of snakes and like sneering at them each time. Like, Ugh. I
3: don't want to do that.
2: Yeah, I love that sequence. I love the the looks at the snakes my kid it was even funnier watching it with my kid because he's like so goes through all these studios ethan figured that part out just fine goes out and he's like and it was just funny he's like i don't think they're in a movie set anymore i think that's really on fire so I was like oh and he's like it's so before anything have he's like i bet if he rescues the animals they won't he won't be in trouble anymore <laughs> you know how i mean maybe he could ruin this movie uh does all the stuff, and then as he's doing it, he was like... He was like, he doesn't really want to touch the snakes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and if, and he <laughs> cracked up when pee runs out of the thing, like Ace Ventura style, you know, like with the bat, but with the snakes clutching his hands and passes out of the ground with the snakes all in his hands. <laughs> uh, I love that sequence. That might actually make the whole movie worth it. Absolutely um, excellent. And it leads to... Uh, Him getting the Pee Wee Herman movie made.
0: Yes. And. Do you know who. Who plays Pee Wee Herman in his movie? Thanos' dad. Yes. Yes he does. And Morgan Fairchild plays Dottie. I remember Morgan Fairchild from the 80s. but Yeah. And they
2: make it into a James Bond type thriller or spy movie. <laughs> the name. The Herman. X-1. P.W. Herman. <laughs> what did you, what did you say, Jimmy, at the, when you were looking at the, in our chat, you are talking about the the cameo. Was that the cameo you were talking about when he was at the, the Bellman?
1: Oh, yeah. Pee-wee has a small role in his own movie. And he's the, uh, the bellhop at the hotel in a scene with the Brolin and um his, his love interest on screen. And he, they dub over his voice, which is hilarious. And he also, he keeps looking at the camera <laughs> and um, yeah. he, he doesn't know where to stand. And that, that also, I mean, that part was, was hilarious. Paging Mr. Herman. <laughs> Mr. Herman, uh, Mr. Pee-wee Herman.
2: I'm sure that's his, his own voice dubbing over his voice, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Uh, either way, that, I thought that was great. It's there's something whimsical about this movie. It's it tonally at parts it's very much like UH, UHF in tone. Um the bad guys in UHF are a little bit more sadistic, but it's I did like that all of the people he encountered whether they were hard asses or good guys or bad guys, kind of ended up in this big movie premiere later at the thing. And they're all like, hey, Pee-wee, and Pee-wee's bringing them candy and doing all sorts of stuff. And it was just like, it was such a good-natured kind of kid show sort of ending mm-hmm. that it kind of leaves you in a good, like, a happy place. Um, and, you
0: know. And, what, and uh, one of the things we had talked about earlier, and I, I figured we'd talk about it here, was... When we initially talked about doing this movie, we had thought about um, movies that were for children, but weren't really for children for adults. And after watching this movie, I I kind of believe that no this this is a this is totally a kids movie that does work for adults, but it is totally a kids movie. Would you agree? Yeah. Or yeah. There's really after nothing. Having watched it, it recently, I mean, it, it's I mean, not the, like the clown's yeah, but it's not like there's a whole lot of, like, jokes that go over kids' heads or anything. It's not like there's a lot of, like, you know, winking at the camera for the parents and whatnot. It's it's genuinely a a kid. I mean, it's it's a kid's movie. I mean, straight up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, there was nothing. Like I said, I watched it with a kid. I was like, there's nothing at all. It's PG, even. It's not even PG-13, so it doesn't even get the option of dropping the... I think the only naughty word in the whole movie was crap or crappy He's like, I don't want your crappy bike or whatever it is. Yeah. Um when Pee-wee's having his little my bike has gone meltdown. Anyone else have anything else to say about the movie itself?
0: Why couldn't we have found a use for the boomerang bow tie?
2: You would have liked to see the boomerang bow tie, yeah. I would have I'm that was guessing. the
0: only thing that, that was the only thing that he bought that he didn't use.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to see that uh uh, in use, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, budgetarily, that just wasn't going to happen. I wonder if there's an outtake.
0: Hmm, maybe. So, would you guys be interested to know what this movie was competing against when it came out? You're damn right, sir. Absolutely. Well, the the two-week period before and after the release of this film, so a week before its release and a week after its release, the movies that were out around this time were Fright Night, the good version with Chris Sarandon, Summer Rental, the John Candy movie, Weird Science, total classic, The Hills Have Eyes 2, Real Genius with Without Gilmer, My Science Project, which I remember, and we may do that movie coming up here uh, in the next month or two, Return of the Living Dead and Year of the Dragon. Not too bad.
2: I mean, it's it's a who's who of the second tier of '80s movies. Yeah. Um, you know, no one would be like, "Fright Night" is my favorite '80s horror movie. They wouldn't say that, but if you mentioned Fright Night, someone would say, "Like, oh, I love that movie."
0: Hmm. Hmm. I I definitely like that movie. It was I I that was one that I bought. I own it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not a huge fan of the remake. No one was. So speaking of remakes, what would you say? Remake, revival, or rest in peace?
1: I'd say a sequel.
0: There already was. It's called Big Top Pee Wee. Dark
2: origin story. I've already said Dark origin
0: story. I dig
1: that.
2: Explaining why Pee Wee is permanently trapped in the mind of a uh, seven or eight. Why
4: he got all that damn money.
2: Yep. Exactly. I, That's what I I think, think.
0: I think we, we should get a revival because I really think this movie stands on its own and I think it, it has that perfect spot in the nineteen eighties lexicon and I really don't think that that this is one that would translate very well with a remake.
2: I mean no, you everyone's, think... everyone's too cynical now for this kind of movie. Yeah. Like way too cynical for this kind of movie. It it wouldn't the the even watching this, you feel bad for him when he gets laughed at at the beginning by the kids, and again later on when he gets laughed at at the Alamo. Mm-hmm. And the entire movie would have to be mocking this weirdo. Um. So, a revival. I think this would be a great like Enzian type movie. Oh, like to yeah. watch in a in a crowd or an outdoor kind of movie. Um. Nice. Is it time for the question?
0: I'm ready for the question. Are you ready for the question? I'm ready for the question. Yes. We do have at least one voicemail.
2: We also have a
0: another guest
2: uh, question answerer. Because okay. I, had, I had a lunch date. Ooh. And my lunch date answered the question.
0: Excellent. It's
2: Excellent. nothing too
0: crazy. It was with my own wife. Ah. But, well. You know. The question for this week is we want to know who are your top five actors or actresses That will forever be known to you. So this is a very personalized list. They will forever be known to you as one character in particular. So when you see them, you're like, oh, you know, the Terminator's in this movie.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Gotcha. So who's going first? I guess
1: I will. What do you got, Jimmy? I have... A couple of honorable mentions, uh, starting first. Mel Gibson will always and forever be known to me as Mad Max.
0: Mm. And see, that could go a couple of ways, too, because somebody could could always think of him as um, uh, Riggs. That's true, but I don't. Braveheart. No, Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon. Uh, I know, or Braveheart. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, Braveheart, too. William Wallace.
1: My other honorable mention is going to be Ron Perlman.
0: That is Hellboy. Oh, without question, I I saw the Hellboy with um, up. uh, yes, and I I did. I, just the whole time I kept going, God, he's not Ron yeah. Perlman. <laughs> so
1: making it to my number five is going to be Paul Rubens. Always and forever will be Pee Wee Herman. My number four and I'll be really upset if he doesn't at least make a cameo in the next film that will be PG-13 from Marvel. That's Wesley Snipes. Accomplished career, been in a whole bunch of other things, but always to me will be Blade and no Mm -hmm. one else. My number three, although he's been in so many other movies, I can't ever imagine a universe where Tom Cruise is not Ethan Hunt. Really? Yes. Wow. Watched a lot of Mission Impossible movies lately. My number two is a twofer. That's going to be Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. As you guessed it, Mm -hmm. Wayne and Garth. Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar. My number one... really isn't gonna come as any surprise because there will never be anyone else to be this character that is a character of Luke Skywalker played yeah. by Mark Hamill. It's also kind of a twofer because he is to me the voice of the Joker. Absolutely. And yeah. no other yeah. voice actor doing the Joker except for maybe Tony Hill. Um did, can even hold a torch hold a hold a candle to that So, that is my top five list would you guys like to hear from our patron of unusual size and yes. Alec
4: with his list here we go alright let's try this again this is Alec for the uh, top five famous actors who will always be known for one role at least in my eyes um number five i think would be macaulay Culkin for home alone i think he's done much else as, a, as an adult but he did have a lot of movies as a kid but i'll you know, always see him as that um number four would be henry thomas from et i've seen him in other movies even as an adult and <laughs> he's just a kid from et uh number three this is kind of a funny one but paul hogan crocodile dundee those wasn't really big okay. in the 80s, and I don't think he was ever able to break out of that. Number two, Richard Roundtree, Shaft. i see him in other movies. I think he was like wow. the yeah, politician in Seven or the district attorney. And no matter what, I just seen the Shaft. And number one is kind of the obvious one. I think most of us are going to go with Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. Uh, I know he's done great voice work, but he's always going to be Luke Skywalker. So that's my top five. Um, honorable mention, Daniel Radcliffe is Harry Potter. Probably could have put him on here as well. And Haley Jaws is from the 6th sense. Whenever somebody sees him, I'm pretty sure they're going to tell him that they see dead people. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Never going to escape.
1: And Alec, thank you so much, my friend. That was an absolutely incredible list.
2: Excellent list, Alec. We loved it. Now, I'm I'm going to uh, do do our my special list here. From my wife, who has never contributed a list, but we were talking about this over lunch, so she did. And she she, she doesn't was know that she actually about it
0: that. She wanted to participate.
2: No, I just wrote it down as she, quietly as she was doing it, and she has no idea this is actually happening. Mm. So this could be lead to marital strife. Good thing Alec is a lawyer.
3: Excellent.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, so in no actual order, because they you know this is just us throwing out names. She went with. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, regardless of what he does, will always be Hannibal Ooh, Lecter. Nice. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, she also went some TV because we didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. specify. Uh, Ellen Pompeo is always and only going to be Meredith Grey Okay. okay. from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, speaking of Grey, Jennifer Grey will always be Baby from <laughs> Dirty Dancing.
3: <Yeah>. All right.
2: <laughs> Kevin Smith will only be Silent Bob to her. <laughs> but her big one the one that she immediately came out with was uh Callista Flockhart is always going to be Allie. Oh the that's
1: field. so weird. We had a, okay. I had a conversation with my my, my wife last night about Callista Flockhart. I guess she's in the new Superman show. Uh Supergirl, yeah. Supergirl. She she plays
2: right. a cat. Well, I think she's not in there anymore. She was in a couple mm-hmm. seasons, as a, As like the the head of the yep. newspaper. Did you did you know that there is a new Superman show out there? Night. Oh, is there one? Oh, I, I didn't I've
0: watched, watched episode one today. We'll talk about yeah, it next week.
1: Let's definitely do that.
0: Okay,
2: I'll I'll have to find it and watch it. I did not know that was a thing. Uh, uh, on the CW. So that's that's the wife. Okay. Here's me. Uh, I've got my honorable mention. This one is only an honorable mention because it, well, he died after playing this oh. one role. So Brandon Lee as the Crow. Uh, Mm-hmm. that was really his, sec- really his second cool. role but that so I couldn't have imagine how else. many
1: The Crow films he would have starred in right wow. yeah
2: um, but he is they've remade it they've done other things um, also I, I tried to get rid of TV people but um, Stephen Colbert is really not who he plays well now he is but when he had his own show The Colbert Rapport that was completely a character so that he would have been an honorable mention as well, but he was TV, so I bumped him out. Uh, Jim Varney as Ernest. In fact, mm-hmm. to be honest, I to be honest, I really thought that Ernest was who he was. Uh, Stephen Root, he's yes. in Office Space, and I can't see him as anything else. Even if I see him in anything else, I'm like, oh, it's Milton playing a cop or whatever. Uh, I mentioned earlier. I know he was in a great comedy. But Leslie Nielsen will always be Frank Drebin for me,
3: <laughs> okay. always.
2: Yep. I, yes, he was an airplane. Still Frank Drebin. Uh, a threefer for my number two. Uh, the entire, all of the Harry Potter kids, the main three kids. Yep. Yeah. Radcliffe, Hubert Grant, they're all. That's who they are now. And number one, same as everyone else, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Can't see them as anything else.
0: All right. Now I've got my list here. I do have multiple other honorable mentions, and I'm wondering whether or not you want me to do my list as I wrote it, or if you want me to do my list, not including ones that have already been named. What do you think, Jimmy?
1: I think just do it as you wrote it. All right. Uh, I want to hear everything you have. Our patrons will get to
2: hear all the other ones, maybe. Maybe when we do our next patron episode, we can talk about that. Fair enough.
0: I did not exclude TV, so I do have uh, one TV person on my list. But at number five, I do have Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens will always and forever be Pee Wee Herman. At number four, I have Jim Parsons. Because I will never be able to see Jim Parsons in a movie and not think of Sheldon Cooper. Right, right. At number three... He was my first man out. Was he? Mm Mm-hmm. At at number three, I'm going to make a substitution, because I did have Daniel Radcliffe, and Daniel Radcliffe will go on any of these lists. But I am going to include one that has not been talked about, and that's going to be William Shatner. Captain James T. Kirk. William Shatner will always be Captain James T. Kirk. No matter what he does, he will always be Captain James T. Kirk. At number two, I'm going to put Mark Hamill. Because for me, you know who number one is. For me, my number one is going to be a twofer. And that's going to be Carrie Ellis and Robin Wright. As Wesley and Buttercup from The Princess Bride. Mm Mm-hmm. More so Carrie Ellis than Robin Wright. She, I have bought her in other roles, but I still see Buttercup when I see her. Makes sense. And my, my, uh, five.
2: my other one that got bumped out was, uh, was uh, Norman Bates himself, Perkins, Anthony Perkins. Mm. Cause, and, and then I looked and he was in 67 other movies. I'm like, well, but he was great as Norman Bates in one of the one of the slashers that doesn't names, wear a max.
0: Couple of big names that didn't get selected. Uh or do we want to hold that? Let's hold it for the patrons. Okay.
2: Speaking of uh patrons, we have a Patreon. You can check it out. You can be part of the show. You heard some some guest lists, those are patrons. Well, and someone who's married to me. Uh but check it out patreoncom gimme 5 podcasts. We have It's just $5. You help the show keep going and you get a chance to chat with us and partake in the show in little ways. You can see it all there. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, Jimmy has uh, created us a website, gimme5podcast.com. It's glorious. It's lovely. It's pretty even. Uh, Has lots of cool stuff on there. Rob's been doing book reviews on there. You can find past episodes. I go to it to find information when I'm tweeting things. you can contact us. Fi- find all of our information there, so on and so forth. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, give me five podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can check out our Twitter and Instagram stuff going on there now. A little more, give me five pod at Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if this episode comes out on Monday, which I'm pretty sure it yes, is, it, it usually does.
0: Will
1: in fact. Uh, hi, fr- hi. It's Monday. Yes, happy Monday. Hopefully your Monday is going well.
2: I will be participating in a book launch for um, Mark of the Witchworm. We reviewed it a couple months ago, I believe back in November. And we just recently had Steve Van Sampson on our show talking about writing and bad movies. Uh, He is releasing his book. I get a chance to talk to him about that live in a live webcast uh, on the dorkening.com network. You will be able to find it. Just look up Mark of the Witchworm, The Dorkening, and you will find it. And you can look for our social media to figure out where all that stuff might be. Thank you in
1: advance if yeah, you decide to do Pre order that damn book, damn it. Yeah, That's it's great. great. We all got I can't right. wait to read it again. Well and I, I can't do. wait to listen to it.
0: But I will listen to it when it comes out. Well, there you go.
1: Thank you guys so much. Good morning, good afternoon, and happy Monday.
2: There's a good one written down on the screen.
3: Tell them Large Marge sent ya.